0: Um, so.
1: Are we actually starting?
0: I mean, why not? Oh, okay. Did you, do you want to not start?
1: I was thinking we would just talk for a while.
0: (laughs) You're like, whatever.
1: You know, it's been recording for like an hour now.
0: I haven't even been here an hour.
1: I started recording like the minute I got up this morning.
0: So then you just hear the cat.
1: It's probably better content. Just the cat
0: yowling. Yeah. Thank you. Welcome to the Bowie Book Club. I'm Christiane. I am Greg. We have had a book club for over a decade, and we read a lot of books, and sometimes we talked about them.
1: Mostly we just got drunk and gossiped.
0: But at the sad loss of David Bowie in 2016, we decided to get our act together and read through his list of 100 most influential books in no particular order.
1: In fact, in a completely nonsensical order. And make
0: wild speculation as we went.
1: So what did we read this
0: time? We read The Hidden Persuaders by Vance Packard.
1: That that, that is a name. Yeah, Vance it sounds like Packard. he should
0: he should be like a television promoter or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like a like a, a, a wrestling manager. Was
0: that his real name? It can't be. Let's see. Vance Oakley Packard.
1: That's even better. Yeah. But it, it does he kind of sounds like that's the name of a, a character on Mad Men. Like Uh, a 50s executive.
0: Well, it just so happens. So he was um, not an advertising executive, but a journalist and social critic. Um, And apparently he wanted to write this uh, book... The concept for this book, he wanted to write um, an article. I don't know what magazine he was working
1: with—Colliers or The Saturday Evening Post or one of those big magazines that, yeah, you know, that don't exist anymore.
0: So he wanted to write a piece about how advertising works and how it sort of manipulates our consciousness in order to sell products. And the uh, editors of the magazine said, uh, "You know that like <laughs> advertising we- pays." For this magazine, we're kind of
1: an ad-based business, so no, so, you can't publish that article. <laughs> so do your talk and walk, in Vance.
0: Yeah. So he wrote the book, um, and then he he did some stuff after that, right? Yeah,
1: he was kind of like his 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 lane was as a critic of consumerism. So uh, other books he'd written, The Naked Society, which kind of continued that um, that theme of being manipulated in order to to you know kind of. Uh, have people participate in in ec- the economics essentially of of the country, um, so yeah, that that turned out to be something that it was sort of like his career.
0: And this book was uh, published in 1957, and it really was like I think what he was just known for after that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it, it was hugely popular. Um, and And my parents had it; it was you know on their on their bookshelf.
0: So it was it, one of those like Susan Jacoby things where like all of the middle class had to read this book to be aware of this thing in their world right
1: and and it didn't I mean as popular as it was it didn't seem to have the effect of changing how advertising works
0: yeah it's it's that dilemma of like I feel as though I could say I'm very savvy about how advertising works I've paid attention to this stuff all the time I get it I get it I still buy stuff yeah, so, yeah, and I
1: still see an ad and go like, "Oh, I could I could use that." Yeah.
0: So, it's I think there was something at the I don't remember who was saying it. Maybe it was in that salon article or one of the articles we were reading about this book that, that it's like, yeah, advertising really wants to be as sinister as you say it is, but it it doesn't really like it hasn't really done the max headroom like i'm going to control your brain at all times we just are really easy marks
1: <laughs> right yeah it doesn't have to work very hard no. to get us to buy stuff like no. it's, and, and especially because it's kind of m- maybe where it's most sinister is is in the effect uh, on on kids you know because mm-hmm. like i think we were both exposed to ads from you know as soon as we could perceive them, yeah. you know, through TV and, and, and I guess less so through newspapers and magazines and that kind of thing.
0: And he's mostly talking about print ads in this, um, right? So yeah, yeah. there's some, he talks about some programming, like, especially in the kids chapter about locating things in programs for kids so that they see them and are exposed to them and then demand them from their parents. But the majority of his critiques are print ads, which um, when we were talking about it, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but like that's a little bit different now because we aren't exposed to print ads in the same capacity that in the 1950s. You yeah, might have not,
1: been. It, definitely. It's more so like internet ads, which I guess yeah. are kind of like the, the successor to print.
0: It's like a hybrid of print and TV ad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and even less subtle. Really. Advertising
0: executives <laughs> did not like this book or Vance Packard. Uh, They denounced him as a morality huckster (laughs) and a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. And then and he wasn't really looked at very favorably from academics either because they they wouldn't say that this was like a vigorous study of anything. It was more like pop psychology,
1: yeah, and this book, is it seems like one of its intentions is to be entertaining. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like these, it's just a string of anecdotes of like, oh, did you know that they do this? And did you know that they do that? But there's no real scientific rigor to and
0: it. reading this book made me, again, want to suggest to Bowie that he should have had on his list that book um, Class by uh, Paul Fussell. Because it's written really similarly, where it's like, ah. I'm going to do a broad uh, approach to the idea of class in America, really specifically like white people's class. Right. Um, and how it works and through kind of anecdotes. And it's very entertaining and it's very much like this, like a pop sociology. And I think that it would have totally fit into Bowie's list. So I am suggesting that he should have read that book.
1: Maybe that'll come back in season two.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so what can you say about this book? It was, um, I think a lot of the stuff, a lot of us know already. We've spent some time, you know, maybe in a critical thinking class, you know, in college or in high school, even like you would have some kind of like, let's look at advertising and what are they trying to sell you here? Yeah. And and
1: here's the techniques that they're using. Yeah. And he kind of centers it on um, like those uh, list of sort of compelling needs that the ads kind of focus on one or more of this list of eight things. Um, so, you know, it, it, and and he talks about the move from advertising something based on utility, like you need this shovel in oh, order yeah. to dig.
0: That was really interesting that that it was, so the way he sets, I didn't watch Mad Men, um, but I think it's kind of that, that same scenario, right? Where it's these advertising people who are trying to figure out how to be better. And so they're bringing in like, different ways to sell things and like sure we sold things by telling people this is the best thing this is the best chair for these reasons and look at all these reasons and someone will say that's not why people are buying chairs like you really need it to look like this will give you prestige or this will give you you know sexual prowess by having this chair
1: this is the most virile mop that you can buy yeah. <laughs> you will be irresistible to the
0: <laughs> i guess you target you just you choose the right like uh need compelling need for the right. for the ad
1: so the so uh, the list is emotional security reassurance of worth ego gratification creative outlets that's why i buy my mops <laughs> love objects sense of power Roots and immortality.
0: Yeah, and we, you know, if you look through ads, just like start glancing at the ads in your magazine. we did did a little bit of. Yeah, and a lot of like, like I was surprised by how many watch ads there are, like wristwatches, and almost all of them were about like um, legacy and your family, you know, passing on some kind of value because they're expensive. Right. Or they would be about like being capable. So maybe that would be ego gratification or reassurance of worth. Like one of those where you, because it's not about creative outlets. It's not necessarily about love objects because it's, you know, people are like, oh, look at your wrist. (laughs) What what a watch. It it, it could be like, oh, that guy's got expendable income. Oh, I guess. But that seems more... Of a reassurance of worth or ego gratification than yeah. love. Like, I mean, you could say that chasing money is love, but I don't know if that's yeah. really what that guy thinks he's getting. And
1: well, you know, I, I, um, when when I used to smoke, I did it as a creative outlet, or so I thought. <laughs> that it was essential to any creative outlet that you were smoking while you were doing
0: it. Oh, there was a lot about smoking in this book. It was a really interesting time. Because it was when the first cancer scare had hit, and cigarettes were like, uh-oh. "Oh,
1: we gotta scramble to figure out, yeah,
0: and that was fascinating too they you know, there were these ads that were trying to get around um utility, like here, snap this filter on, and that'll be okay, and they just did not sell because people didn't want the cumbersome filter it made them look stupid
1: right and, and men didn't want to be seen to have uh, cigarette holders because they were perceived as feminine mm-hmm. so they had to have some way of making you know a cigarette holder viral. and and a lot of people tied cigarette holders to roosevelt who they hated mm. so so you know they had to work around all these different things to keep people smoking and keep spending money on cigarettes
0: and then if they're like Hey, let's like let's just make it like obvious. This is you're smoking because you are dangerous. You are a risk taker. You are devil may care. You like
1: you're going to drive your motorcycle over Chickasaw Creek or whatever.
0: <laughs> D- drive a motorcycle over the creek?
1: Well, that's why I started smoking because I want oh. to drive a motorcycle over Chickasaw Creek.
0: Okay, and did it work? No. (laughs) Oh, all right. Yeah.
1: I just developed a terrible cough and lost my sense of smell and taste for several years. Oh,
0: well, there you go. Didn't work.
1: Nope. Not effective at all.
0: Yeah, I think the car ads and and the cigarette ads were a lot of his case studies in this. Like, which cars make you more appealing? Which cars make you look like you're wealthy? Which cars make you look like you have, you know, you're a speed demon and you... Brave and whatever,
1: yeah, and, and kind of, uh, and, and this has become even you know more fragmented and more specific. Is like the association of particular brands or, or makes of cars with particular types of people, mm-hmm. like intellectuals drive DeSotos or, or whatever, or like you know bankers drive Packards because they're reliable and and they have a certain shape. So it's like keep making them in this style so that you can keep selling them to the bankers mm-hmm. and 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 getting people. You know the the idea of planned obsolescence came in of like we got to get people to buy cars every three years because otherwise they'll drive it for thirty years, and we only get one sale every three decades. We're not going to stay in business that way,
0: yeah. the The study of how psychology, how depth psychology began began to like be used really regularly in um, advertising was fascinating, especially because so like with the cars, they they came down to finally people don't actually know what they want so they can tell you yeah I want you know I I had to commute and and I have to park and so I want something that's easy to handle and you know small to like park more easily and then those cars did not sell and it was because people had a perception of themselves in a car like that versus a perception of themselves in a large car that was very big fam- tail fins. Yeah, flamboyant or fast or something, and so they started realizing we can't rely on people to tell us what we want, w- what they want. We have to tell them what they want. Right,
1: right, and and that was the flip from mm-hmm. oh, we'll give the people what they want. Instead, we'll 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 design needs for them to to kind of fall into. Yeah. And and that's what he was describing. And that and he took it, you know, all the way to like, to, and this was, you know, at the time was, I think Nixon was running or was vice president at, at the time and, and ran his first um, this political was, campaign. Yeah. And
0: this was like the beginning of, didn't they talk, we, did we talk about this in the Susan Jacoby book or was that, cause I was reading, um these truths, the Jill Lepore book at the yeah, same time. Yep, yep. So maybe it was in the Jill Lepore book, but it was like the first time politics like went online, went on the television, yep, you know, in yep. this in this advertising sort of way.
1: And and she wrote a, a book that I can't think of the name of now um, that went into more depth about the Datamatics company that did a Jill lot Lepore of- Jill Lepore did. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. that was kind of a book that came out just after these truths. I went into detail about how you know kind of big data was used for the first time in cam- in political campaigns
0: and then to just like slant it to you know what what we think you should want right i found this really uh short film. it's like a 30 minute film called um, nothing exists until you sell it and it's kind of about the hidden persuaders it's about um just advertising like use of depth psychology and advertising and when they're talking about the politician chapter which you're mentioning like it's the depth psychology wasn't only used to sell cigarettes and cars but also politicians and they show all these clips from Ronald Reagan's ad campaigns and that it was like creating a image of like a family man who's looking after your interests and who's just like homey like you and And then it it doesn't have to have any policy stuff. It doesn't have to have anything except an image of the person. And you want to buy into that image. And
1: and it's better not to talk about any kind of policy. Yeah. Because that just gets confusing.
0: And people are like, I don't want to know what's under the hood. Well, you know, some cars, all you talk about is what's under the hood but with like politicians and most people buying cars or cigarettes. Like don't talk about how much tar is H- in there. How am I
1: going to feel when I'm yeah. using this thing? And how am I going to look yeah. when I... Yep. Am... Yep. How am I going to be perceived?
0: Yeah. So were you convinced?
1: I bought five more copies of this book <laughs> and I'm going to throw them all out in a year and buy five more. <laughs> so yeah, it definitely persuaded me for sure.
0: Yeah, it's... um. It's not really the like scandalous book that's like taking down the ad in- industry. He also like talked about how ads like should do this in a way or are entertaining for doing it, like or that they're just going to do it. Like it's not some like yeah. sinister thing that we all It's not like a though he used the word Orwellian a couple times. He's not saying advertisement is Big Brother and they're manipulating us and it's all about subconscious influences and he's not saying that.
1: Yeah, I think it is, is more so saying like what advertisers advertisers should provide us with choices, but what they shouldn't do is make choices for us. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think at the end of the book that's kind of how he sums it up. It's like it, as long as we're we're independently able to kind of see our options, this is okay.
0: And know? is that a critique? Yeah. Are we critiquing more advertisers or people, consumers?
1: right right and and the issue is 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 people who are going into it with their you know without their eyes open, who are just being kind of blindly led that's that's where the problem is, so he's like they're just doing their job, you know it's and it's up to you to kind of learn enough that you can work with that, yeah, and which which seems you know with the kind of really targeted, overwhelming advertising that we get now where um. It's you know, a different beast. Yeah, yeah. Where where, you know, advertisers are tracking you from website to website, trying to discover who you are by what you look at. And and for some reason I get so many ads for T shirts saying ten rules for dating my daughter <laughs> I don't have a daughter. If I did, I wouldn't care <laughs> about someone dating her or not. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I get ads. I think we were looking when we were talking about like what ads work on us. So we don't have as many print ads. Like I I had, I brought in some print ads for us to look at from some magazines and it was, I get like travel magazines. And what was interesting, there was a bunch of ads about cruise ships And what they were really like, it seemed like the theme across the cruise ship ads was making the cruise ship smaller and smaller in the image, instead showing people like doing big adventurous things like climbing this snowy mountain. And in the background, there's the little ship that got them there, but that they're trying to de-center what we assume about cruise ships. So that was interesting seeing like, a lot of cruise ships making this same attempt to like, no, this is an experience that you have.
1: And we're just getting you there.
0: Yeah. Not the, the old model of like everything you want is here and you never have to leave the boat. And there's like a casino and there's food everywhere. And there's a a
1: gravy fountain on every floor. (laughs) 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 But it, it makes sense because like the more, people know about cruise ships and, and the and, terrible environmental effects and the post they want to COVID yeah. cruise
0: ship like terrifying experiences. People are like, I don't want to be locked in a big like like a,
1: a floating mall that, yeah. <laughs> that's filled with sewage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there were some print ads, but mostly we looked at what comes up in feeds or on websites that we visit.
1: Yeah, we were like scrolling through Instagram looking at the ads that we get. Um,
0: And they're still doing a lot of this same stuff. So, you know, emotional security, reassurance of worth, ego gratification, creative outlets, love objects, sense of power, roots and immortality. Like all that stuff is still there, right? Yeah. Like all those medications that are being advertised to you are about your immortality
1: right and and i am a complete sucker for new <laughs> medication ads like like every time i see one on tv i, I just i get like misty like these people are like, like they're so happy they're so yeah they're so happy look at this guy wash his dog he couldn't do that before i don't know what he had but, <laughs> right but he's so much happier but now. he couldn't
0: wash his dog and i want to be i don't even have a dog right <laughs> i mean i do but you don't
1: Right. And probably washing your dog is a hugely frustrating experience, but this dog was loving it.
0: This is amazing. <laughs> my dog does not love being washed.
1: I wonder what's on your dog's Instagram feed. Oh God.
0: Well, I get a lot of ads for dog products on my feed.
1: <laughs> yeah. For obvious reasons. Yeah. Um
0: I'm I'm also targeted with like images that are supposed to sell to me are like women. Like women who work and have kids, which I don't have kids, but I am in the age group that they right. assume yeah. you are probably raising young children and you're working. And so you need these products. Like I see a lot of those images, like the busy woman with all of the things she's juggling. Even
1: right, in, in mine is like you're slowly drifting rightward. <laughs> you probably have a beard. <laughs> you're unhappy with just about everything. So here's some things that uh, look like they belong to someone in the army.
0: <laughs> oh, jeez, you get those? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> right. I mean, it's weird because we are
1: in very different demographics. <laughs> but my
0: spam messages, I still get all the like Russian brides waiting for your, you know, I get those. There's
1: definitely those indiscriminate, like non targeted, yeah. let, let's just spew Russian brides out to everybody.
0: Yeah. But in ads, a lot of dog stuff, a lot of, and the stuff that works for me, I've, and I've noticed. I pause at, so of course they feed me more of it, is the stuff that looks like it's content, like a person who is giving their honest review of something and like, I want to show you why this is meaningful to me. I guess it's the same psychology of your um, medication ads that it's like, oh, I was so miserable before and now I got this product and I'm so happy now. Yeah,
1: yeah, and right. And it's 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 more insidious now because yeah, it can just pop up and look like an Instagram reel or, or whatever, or, 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 you know, the, the testimonial thing that, that he talks about in the book where, I don't know, it's, it's like, um, a famous baseball player of the time is like, I smoke Chesterfields when I'm in the outfield. And, and now it's, it's kind of like one of the Kardashians, you know, on one of their many shows, mm. you know, shows this particular brand of iced tea all the time.
0: Oh yeah. Product placement. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So the ads are like
1: totally integrated.
0: My sister and I used to talk about that all the time. You remember that show, The Real World?
1: Oh, do I ever? Like the
0: first season, like MTV in the 90s. And they would blur out products in the show. So like they would be sitting with, you know, cans of whatever they're drinking and it would be blurs because they weren't promoting products.
1: Oh, right. Or they didn't have a deal with the company to promote. Yeah, yeah, and, and... in the uh watching 30 rock they had a very you know like clear promotional deal with apple so all the computers were were max and it, it you know it said at the end sponsored by apple
0: right so then you start like they realized hey we can actually like place our things yeah in here yeah. and but then it's all yeah brand affiliations like we don't want our things to show up in those programs we want our things to show up in these programs and i mean we get it in like we get it everywhere. Yeah. So like, yeah.
1: And and that's why I use Macintosh computers. <laughs> <laughs> because I saw it on 30 Rock.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so brand loyal. Oh, yes. Yeah. And
1: th- that's the kind of thing, too, is, is like in the in- introduction to the, I think we both read the same edition, but in the in- introduction to it, the, um, not the author, but the person doing the introduction said that you know, uh, people... Mark
0: Crispin Miller. Yeah,
1: yep. Uh, he, he was saying that, you know, people buy Macintosh computers. And immediately my first thought was like, but Apple's one of the good ones, <laughs> which is totally not true. <laughs> but but there is that sense of like, that brand is part of me.
0: Huh, you know, that's, that that's really
1: hard to shake in a way.
0: It is something that wasn't really talked about in this list of compelling needs, that there are ways that we choose products now in the attempt to choose a moral uh company
1: right yeah yeah and, and and companies work with that you know like suddenly everything is branded as eco-friendly you know even though it's the same thing i mean maybe or,
0: that's ego gratification or yeah because yeah. you're saying your, like
1: your sense of worth that you're a good person yeah
0: i am i find this important and this product finds this important and therefore we are aligned right right e-
1: even though you know your iphone is made with you know basically slave labor yeah. and, and horrible metals that are, you know, mined by hand in Africa, it, it's still like, well, I wouldn't buy an Android
0: phone. <laughs> yeah. You're like, why? Yeah. What is the difference? Like, <laughs> yeah. And how many times, yeah, things are, whether it's the brand of like, there's those of us who are like looking for the environmental or social conscious reason to buy a thing and then there's people who are buying the status level and like the name and the they'll put me in a certain class by buying these things and a lot of them are coming out of the same factory right <laughs> yeah
1: exactly yeah and yeah and, and you think of how like ridiculous that sort of thinking is like for like when uh i found out that nike bought converse i'm like i'm not gonna wear converse anymore because nike's a bad company So I wear Adidas instead, the shoe of the Nazis, you know?
0: Man, it's, yeah. You can't
1: win. You should just not buy things.
0: (laughs) Wow, I didn't think about how I am a case study in this happening. We uh, just recently replaced our SodaStream. Ah, yeah, yeah. Because we're like, I can't keep giving money to Israel and through PepsiCo, because PepsiCo, and yeah, and it's like this... I just, I just don't want to like funnel my money in these ways. And so we bought a new product, right? Right. Which, <laughs> That's made which in Michigan. Which probably has its
1: own problems.
0: Right. And, and there's this like, well, it's locally made or locally. It's not locally, but it's like, it's made in the States. And, and I, I told my partner like, okay, but can you, can you research to make sure they're not like crazy, like right wing something cra- like there's some other, there's going to be some other reason. Right. That I'm gonna right. Say I can't touch this.
1: So you get into this sort of moral quandary of like, whatever step you take, if you're spending money, it's, it's doing something bad.
0: And we want to believe that we are responsible consumers. The funny part is we're just consumers. Right. Like, we're still making the decisions. From
1: the perspective of advertisers, we're just consumers. Yeah. We're just dollars going somewhere. Yeah.
0: So I do think it's worthwhile. I think, I think everyone should get an education in critical thinking about the choices that they make. Like, and I think that Vance Packard's book was that at the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it, in some ways that that that's sort of the, the stance that he's taking is like, you can make the least bad decision knowing that you're being, you know, kind of pushed in certain directions. At least, you know, you know, how you're being pushed so that you can kind of work with that.
0: So David Bowie worked for a brief time in an advertising agency.
1: I bet he was really good at it.
0: <laughs> he hated it. He said he loathed <laughs> it. So part of the reason why we think this was on his list is, you know, maybe just that education of how to be an aware citizen, but more likely like he was, he was all about like making an image and making, um, like looking at depth psychology in these ways would have been valuable to him in the image creation that he had in his own life. But you know, this, this probably was around the time when he was working this brief stint in an ad agency this was a big seller so it was part of his life in multiple ways there was this great article I found in this um, online called place called The Drum about his job when he worked at Nevin Hurst Agent Advertising Agency. Nevin D. Hurst Nevin D. It Hurst full name. Advertising so he like drew sketches and pitched ideas um, about ad campaigns but he uh, one of his former bandmates uh, David Hadfield who was with the Conrads when they were like teenagers. Right. He said, quote, uh, about David Bowie, quote, his main contribution to the band was ideas. He had thousands of them, a new one every day, that we should change the spelling of our name, of our image, of our clothes. He also came up with lots of sketches of potential advertising campaigns for the band. So in a lot of ways, he was that like, hidden persuader he was trying to like if we wore our hair this way we would present this way to the people and that would attract them or the name would be this or the font of our you know logo should look like this like that's advertising right there
1: yeah and he continued that his whole career you know where he would change his brand every couple years you know maybe not as you know with a deliberate you know sense of like i'm going to appeal to this segment of the audience, but, but the sense of like changing it up to, you know, to keep people kind of, um, to keep people guessing Mm -hmm. that's, that's a way of, you know, kind of manipulating people. Um, so, so yeah, I I think it was something he was deeply interested in the idea of brand and image.
0: And it kind of connects to the last month we read the, um, Brillo beyond the Brillo box and talked about how Andy Warhol was an advertising, like, alum as well like he sold shoes so there was part of his whole image in the art world to them that was also like what was the name the the huckster oh he was a morality huckster. morality <laughs> huckster
1: but <laughs> warhol was definitely a huckster the yeah. idea of like mass producing art and and using advertising and using that sort of manipulation to sell art you know that that was, I think, kind of stemmed from...
0: And he sort of like shopped the things. Like, how does this color look? How does this... What's the reaction to this one? What's this one? And then like winnowed it into the most popular yeah. thing. And that's exactly what these advertising right. people were doing in this Let's France Let's do Packard. a focus group. Like yep.
1: which, which one do you think is going to sell?
0: Yeah. I wonder if David Bowie had focus groups.
1: Oh imagine like, being Do you like this
0: wig or this wig? This wig or this wig?
1: Should I should I put the third eye in the center of my forehead or to the left?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Does do you think the thin white duke should shoot darts into the lover's eyes? <laughs> <laughs> or into their cheekbones?
0: <laughs> Bowie focus group. Oh, that would be great.
1: So um so we are coming up on the end of the year.
0: Oh yes.
1: So do should we talk about our best ofs?
0: <laughs> oh that's right. This is the season of best ofs. We've been I've compiled a little list on our um bookshop.org page of like a, a, just a mashup of best ofs. I just sort of randomly selected like we do. Yep. Um several books from all the best of lists that I had seen so you can check out some of those on our bookshop page and then we'll put up our best of list as well. Right. Um so books we read, not necessarily books from this list, but we always have to include at least one from the Bowie list. Right. And uh just anything we read this year from January on. Uh what's your first choice, Greg? Uh
1: okay, my Bowie book, I think this was a tough one because there there are two or three really good ones. There weren't any. There was only one bad book this year. <laughs>
0: we won't say about
1: it's a now. certain borough in New York City <laughs> and how there's a, a series of exits and you pick the final one. That that book went immediately in so, the recycling. so
0: abstract. I have no idea what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> but but, but I, I think my pick was Fingersmith.
0: For your favorite, yeah, that, oh, that was my pick.
1: Okay, I'll take White Noise. <laughs> I actually really really enjoyed White Noise, and my runner-up would be, uh, besides Fingersmith, would be uh, Forty Second Parallel because I ended up reading the rest of the USA trilogy, and and that was something I'd wanted to read for a long time, and it was that was wild. Yeah, that was man, what a car crash of a book!
0: I almost so I debated between Forty Second Parallel and Fingersmith, and I chose Fingersmith as my favorite Bowie book club book this year. I didn't end up reading I wanted to read the rest of the USA trilogy, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. So maybe that'll be on my list later. Um but There's always next year. So my Bowie book club pick for the year was Fingersmith, and yours was a split between White Noise and Fingersmith and Forty Second Parallel. Uh, yeah, You're a cheater. A, a three way split. You're a cheater.
1: <laughs> so what was your what was your first non Bowie book?
0: So I looked at my little Image I like draw all the books that I read, you um, know, in, in a fake bookshelf. You and, should put that on Instagram. Okay, I'll put my my bookshelf of books, and um, I think a lot of the ones I liked best were from the beginning of the year. So my one of the books that was my favorite was "How High We Go in the Dark" by Sequoia uh, Nagamatsu, um, and it was the one that's like apocalyptic. Um, well, some of it was apocalyptic, like the the spaceship that took off from Earth and is like heading somewhere and the people who are living on it. And then there's this like, this disease that enters the world because they dig up these bodies in the tundra and it affects all these kids. And there's like this place where they take kids to when they're gonna die and they like get to ride roller coasters. And it was like heartbreaking and beautiful. Wow, yeah. Yeah, it was such a beautiful, it's sort of, short stories, but they're all tied in. So it's a novel, but in these like little vignettes of different people's lives, revolving around the same experience. How about you? Uh,
1: I, I think my my top um, non-Bowie book was A Little Free Library Find. Um, it was a kid's book, which I I'd never, didn't read as a kid, uh, The House with a Clock in Its Walls. That's right. I love that book, yeah, oh my God. Yeah, that was your God. Halloween I, pick. Yeah, and yeah. I just wanted it to go on forever and and now now i understand why people love cozy mis- mysteries. Ah, yeah. The idea of being in a world where it's pretty safe but not totally safe mm. is 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 really appealing.
0: Should i start getting you those like cat tea shop mysteries for christmas?
1: Yeah, i'll i'll read those. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But the but the uh, my uh second uh book is also halloween, uh the haunting of hill house mm. by shirley jackson which um I'd been meaning to read forever, and I'm really glad I did. It was uh, scary and great. And now I have to watch The Haunting and the TV series and the other (laughs) remake of the TV series. All the tie-ins. Yeah, so I got to watch a lot of Jackson coming up.
0: Another of my favorites was also from the beginning of the year, Thistlefoot by Jenna Rose Nethercott. And it was the one about uh, this brother and sister who find out that they are descendants of um, Baba Yaga. And that the house, Baba Yaga's house is like the chicken on legs, has like come to find them. Awesome.
1: Yeah, dang. It was such a good Okay, book. I want to read that.
0: Yeah. Um, and East of Eden, I'm also including on my list. Even Ooh, though yeah. it's Later like- Later in the year. It's one of those books that I just hadn't gotten around to reading until this year. And I really, really enjoyed it. It was so engrossing.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: Family epic- you know, the telling of Cain and Abel, etc.
1: Yeah, and, and the way in Salinas you, we talked about it a bunch over Thanksgiving,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the I, I just hadn't thought of it, you know, because uh, fr- the movie only is one little slice of it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's it, amazing to me how sprawling the book is.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the character Lee is one of the most amazing characters. He's so great. Yeah,
1: man. So I'm gonna switch up my last pick. Oh, I, I was going to choose, uh, dreaming as delirium, mm-hmm. um, which was a, a book about, uh, neurology and sort of how, um, how by studying people as they're sleeping, we can discover things about mental illness, um, because th- the same chemicals govern or, or appear to govern both how we go from sleep to waking and mm-hmm. how we go in and out of, of different sort of states of, of consciousness. It was fascinating. It was a really amazing book. Um but I, I, I'm I'm going to pick uh, The Heaven and Earth Grocery Store by James McBride oh, instead yeah. because I I forgot I'd love that book. Um I'm looking forward to reading it again. That's how much I liked it. Oh. Yeah.
0: Bold. Bold.
1: I might I might start reading again right now. Oh, okay. Okay, well, episode t- over. I'm I'll, gonna start reading.
0: Okay. Okay, I won't <laughs> stop you. <laughs> and I think my last pick will be um Small Fires by Rebecca May Johnson. It was a book I when I was traveling for the trade show season for um, doing the regional book shows, uh, I was in California at Booksmith and this bookseller was like, this is my favorite book this year. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, food essays. I don't usually read food essays. Whatever, I'll read it. And I read like half of it that night in the hotel. I couldn't stop reading. It was great. Wow! It's like, it's about food, yes, but it's also about like, food writing and feminism and like how they're not in conflict though people think they are and food like making recipes and the comparison to translation like translating the Iliad and the Odyssey specifically she talks about who translates different works and how a recipe is a translation and and there's like a chapter about making a recipe a hundred times and how it changes every time and yeah it's such a great book wow such a great book
1: I really recommend it. Cool. So what what do you have on, on your shelf right now? Or what, do you, what are you reading right now?
0: I'm reading Julia by uh, Sandra Newman, the one that's the retelling of 1984 from oh, kind Julia's of a perspective. connection there. Yeah, yeah. It's been really great. I'm going to talk about it probably next time when we meet, because um, I'll finish it by then. I'm like almost done with it. But... Yeah, I really wish I had had this book to read when we read 1984 because it's such fascinating connection. Um, And The Sleeping Car Porter by uh, Suzette Mayer. My partner and I just read that one out loud about um, Pullman Porter in Canada. And he is like just sleep deprived and like seeing things, not eating enough. He's trying to save money to go to dentistry school. And just the horrible, hilarious people who are on his train car and how rough it is as like, I, it's 1929, I think. So it's Ooh. like a black man in 1929 serving white people on this train car. Yeah. And it was heartbreaking and beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Very good. What are you reading?
1: So I just started uh, Gone, uh, Gone to the Wolves by John Ray. Mm -hmm. um which it at least as far as i can tell it's about dirtbag metalheads in florida and and is really awesome (laughs) like it has that sort of uh sense of creeping doom like bad things are going to happen in this book um and that's a feeling that i love in books um like uh What's His Butt from the Mountain Goats? Why can't I think of his name? John Darnell. John Darnell. Like his books have that sense, like Wolf and White Van. Yeah, I can't like, wait to read that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it, That's a great book and this has a similar sort of feel. Um, and I guess because it's Christmas, I'm reading another horror book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a thing. This yeah. <laughs> is to read horror at Christmas. Oh,
1: okay, okay. So I'm doing it right. Yeah. Uh, I'm reading uh, another little free library find um, from the New York Review press uh, The Rim of Morning by William Sloan which I think that the subtitle is Two Tales of Cosmic Horror
0: Cosmic Horror, and
1: it's very 1920s right now mm. so it's it mostly about uh, two preppy guys going to a football game and then <laughs> cosmic horror ensuing <laughs> I haven't gotten into the cosmic horror part but he spent a lot of time describing this football game <laughs> maybe that's the cosmic that's horror it. there know. it is <laughs> <laughs> I'll never think of football the same way.
0: <laughs> um, and you're reading the Pickwick Papers. Oh yeah, as as always for Christmas. Yep.
1: For, I'll I'll stop when I get to the Christmas scene.
0: They're so like, and how many? What? Who had those numbers that was showed? Like how many glasses of mulled wine or hot toddies were drunk in the entirety of the Pickwick Papers? And. How many characters there are. And oh, there was, was that stat.
1: It was uh, from uh, the book I read last month called uh, Death and Mr. Pickwick. Oh, that was Which so is also great. Yeah. And, but it's about um, people who are obsessed with the Pickwick papers and the artists. Like who? who? Were, well, the, the fictional characters, okay. I, b- I believe. <laughs> not me. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't counted the number of alcoholic beverages in the Pickwick papers, <laughs> at least not yet. <laughs> Okay. So what do what do we got
0: coming up next? Um I oops, I shrank this again. Why do I always shrink this? Okay. <laughs> Darkness at Noon by Arthur Koestler. Is it Koestler? I think that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that's the one that um we read about it in the Russian history book, The People's R- Tragedy, right? Right,
1: yeah, cuz I, I think uh, the author left russia just as the revolution was starting to kind of take shape or or maybe in the period right after the revolution and
0: so it's we read um we read the people's revolution or the the people's tragedy or people's tragedy i think last january um, yeah yep. so this is this is a great like we're back at it again <laughs> yep
1: so january is about russia i guess
0: yeah. <laughs> unfortunately it is yeah yep. um <clears throat> anyway <laughs> yeah uh so final thing the song
1: right we we kind of jumped around a little bit on it like fame might have been a good one mm-hmm. um bowie's character in the movie absolute beginners uh was based on vance packard or the name was based on vance packard it was like uh, vinnie pacola or something like that <laughs> no that to totally, totally was not that <laughs> Um, but, but it's, you know, that, uh, the initials were just VP. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a song called that's motivation from the soundtrack that could have fit.
0: Yeah. Which totally could have fit, but I, I had never like, that didn't, I don't think I know that song at all.
1: I don't really either. You know, I think the absolute beginner soundtrack is, is something I need to spend a little more time with.
0: So we ended up going for "The Man Who Sold the World," which is, c- come on, yeah,
1: <laughs> it's, it's 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 a shame that we haven't used that song already, yeah. But I'm, and maybe I, we I think were
0: saving fits. it just for this,
1: yeah. Sure, we thought it through. Not that yeah. it's not
0: that the song itself is about like selling advertisement, <laughs> but it it does kind of it feels like it fits, yeah. Like the just the idea of like yourself and your relationship to the world and and value and that small man on the stairs what it, yeah how does that connect maybe it
1: was maybe that was warhol he, was, <laughs> he wasn't that you know he wasn't a tall guy
0: yeah. uh yeah so, so so that's what we picked
1: and and we'll leave any interpretation of it up to you the listener <laughs> um please report back to us uh, over our social media feeds
0: yep so find us at the boybookclub.com as always uh, where we have links to all the social media feeds and to our bookshop.org page where we will put up the list of our best books of the year yes and we'll have the next books for next year up there um, next month as well um, and so we're on Facebook Bowie Book Club Podcast and Instagram Bowie Book Club and we will see you in the new year yeah Woo!
1: all right that's
0: weird
1: so everyone have a good end of the year doing end of the year things which yeah. hopefully are take your vitamin d pills relaxing.
0: if you're in the northwest which man it's dark
1: because we get yeah we get just about an hour of sun every day mm. so mm. take advantage of it when you can
0: what's that ray bradbury story where they all like come out of the come outside for like sunlight for one day i feel like that
1: it's it's called coming out for sunlight for one it's called the illustrated man
0: no it's not (laughs)
1: okay if you know what the title (laughs) of the of that story is please let us know on instagram (laughs) 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 we'll talk to you next month
0: yeah read books yeah
1: okay bye you're you're a literary cheerleader
0: read books (laughs) read
1: books r-e-a-d Woo. Like football games, yeah. <laughs> we passed
0: up on the stand He spoke of was and when although I wasn't there He said I was his friend
1: My pencils.
0: <laughs> okay. So <laughs> can you talk
1: like that the whole episode? <laughs> the pencils. Welcome to the volume club <laughs>